All right, how are you all doing today? My name is Millen, and uh, I'm a volunteer here at the Vineyard, and I'm excited to be here today. Uh, last week, we actually started a brand new series called Elephant in the Room. It's a series on mental health, and I'm very proud of our church for embracing a really difficult topic. And so we're going to unpack this. There's a little feedback, by the way, y'all. Uh, we're going to unpack this for the next three weeks. We started last week, and last week, Ryan kicked us off by talking about stress and anxiety. So um, that's something most of us can relate with. If you haven't listened to that message yet, do yourself a favor and go online and give that a listen. Uh, but today, I'm going to go ahead and continue us in the series. And I like to have a little fun, y'all. You know, like, we're talking about a deep topic, but can we have a little fun in the process, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to play a game. I love games. My wife loves games. Y'all going to love games today. And I got some candy, okay? I'm about to share some candy. It's going to be fun. So what's going to happen is we're going to have some famous people show up on the screen. And the first person to name that famous person, I'm going to throw one of these your way. I might hit you in the head. I'm not liable. Did you sign a waiver before you came in? Not liable, y'all. All right? So here we go. Let's go with celebrity number one. Oh, that girl over there. I'm going to throw it. All right? I don't want to hurt you. Here we go. Go. Can you get it? All right. Dwayne Johnson. Who doesn't love The Rock? He's so good. All right. Let's go with the next celebrity. Who's that? Oh, my man. Here you go. Hope you like Skittles. All right. Gotta love Jim Carrey. Bruce Almighty was so good, wasn't it? That's a good movie. All right. Let's keep going. Anybody? Who, who's Rick Warren? I'm going to give it to you. Here you go. Rick Warren. I have like a pastor crush on him. I love Rick Warren. He is such a godly man. All right. Next one. This one will be harder. Any guesses? No, but somebody likes to This is a pastor named Perry Noble. He led a mega church. He wrote a book called Overwhelmed. Uh, I had a feeling this one would be a tough one. So this is going to be a bonus round. Somebody catch. Somebody catch. All right. Did I hit somebody? That's it. I'm getting fired. Let's do the last one. Oh, you got that, Rachel Wheeler. All right. Did you all have a little fun? Hey, I brought one more Snickers. Who wants it? Right here, right here. There we go. Boom. You got it. I didn't, did I hurt anyone? My bad. I'll repent later, okay? So outside of us playing a fun game and outside of all of these people being pretty well-known and famous, what do they have in common? They have all struggled with depression at some point in their life. In fact, by show of hands, who knows somebody that has suffered through depression in this room? Look, look around, folks. This is a very, very common issue that plagues us today. In fact, if you ever heard me speak, you know I'm a guy that has a lot of facts. Let's look at some facts and statistics together real quick, okay? So according to research, and I did a lot of homework on this, one in six very religious folks are diagnosed with depression, churchgoers, followers of Jesus, okay? Unfortunately, women are two times more likely than men to suffer through a depressive episode. This, this fact kind of threw me off my seat. 37 million Americans pre-pandemic in 2020 were on antidepressants. 
Imagine what that figure is today. It hasn't even been published yet, but I've, I've got to imagine it's higher. In general, it affects one in 10 people every year, so about 10% of our population. It's the leading cause of disability between 15 and 44, that particular age range. And the dark side of this is we know that it's the primary cause of suicide as well. We know roughly 80% of people that commit suicide are depressed. Um, this last fact really gives me heartburn as well, but only 20% that are diagnosed with depression actually seek help. So only two out of 10 people will do something about it if they have depression. Can we agree that we have a problem here, family? This is a problem, right? This is an elephant in the room that we need to talk about as the church. Amen? Amen. We have to talk about it. It's hurting our people. Depression doesn't care if you're a follower of Jesus or not. It can impact you. It's real. Now, you might be questioning, hey, I wonder if I've ever gone through depressive symptoms or a depressive episode. There, there are odds that you might have. In fact, some of the more common symptoms are you're persistently sad, you're anxious, you have feelings of emptiness, of hopelessness, uh, maybe you're, you're lethargic all the time, you've lost interest in things. The list goes on and on, but those are some of the common symptoms. Now, here's the good news. The good news is the Bible actually has something to say about this topic, okay? Uh, many of the biblical authors actually suffered through depression, some to the point where they were talking about taking their own lives. Now, they didn't have that vocab back then to call it depression, but it clearly was depression when you see what they were going through. And so there's some wisdom in the Word of God about this topic, and we're going to unpack it together. Uh, the, the, the good news is, folks, there is hope. I want people to know there is hope and that we do serve a mighty God that is more than willing to hold our hand through dark valleys. The title of my talk today is Speak Up. You're worth it. Let's pray. Father God, we give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Lord, we know there are people here today listening online or will listen later that are going through a very dark season. The clouds are thick. Some people don't even know how to put their head above water right now, Lord. Your word tells us to come to you if we're weary and burdened and you'll give us rest. And I'm praying that for people today, Lord. Would you give them rest? Would you give them hope and faith beyond measure, God? Would you refill their hope tank right now, Lord, if they're hopeless? Lord, we need you. This stuff is bigger than us, but it's not bigger than you. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray you come and break chains and break the power of the enemy in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, today, we are going to spend most of our time looking at the book of Job, Right there in the Old Testament is a book that uh, maybe some of you have read, but I'm going to give you a quick breakdown of the book in case you haven't read it in a while. Job was actually a really good dude. In fact, God said that he was righteous and upright. He was blameless and upright. God doesn't say that ab about a lot of people in the Bible, that they're blameless and upright. And so what happens is Satan wants to mess with Job. Satan's thinking, you know what? 
If we sense enough trials in Job's life, his foundation in the Lord would shake and he wouldn't be so blameless and upright. And so God allows Job to go through some trials with some boundaries. Now here's what ends up happening, and it happens all in chapter one, by the way. Job ends up losing his animals, his wife, and his kids in, in rapid succession, okay? And it says in the Bible in Job 122, he still didn't sin after he heard all that news. I mean, talk about a bad day, right? Like that is a lot of overwhelming news. But he didn't sin. Now we'll learn later in the book of Job that even righteous Job had some struggles, and rightfully so. And so one of the first things that we can learn from Job is we need to speak up and be real with God because you're worth it. Now, there are several examples where Job is very real and raw with God. I'm going to read a few in chapter 3. So in chapter 3, verse 11, Job says, Why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? Sounds pretty depressed, right? And then in verse 26, he says, I have no peace, no quietness, I have no rest, but only turmoil. There are many people listening today where that could be their prayer. Now, as you can imagine, there's no sugarcoating here, is there? He is giving this to God exactly how it is on his heart. He is being raw and authentic with the Father. Now, I want you to listen to me, y'all, because this is where the big C church can really mess up. When we sometimes hear people talk like this, when, they, when they're honest and open about how they're feeling, sometimes what we can do is we can say, hey, how can you talk like this? You should repent of your sin. Don't you know who God is? Or we say, if you only had enough faith, you wouldn't be feeling this way. My friends, do you think that's helping the person that's suffering through depression? I can guarantee you it's not helping them at all. Furthermore, I think it's bad theology. See, I think we serve a God that is big enough to handle our emotions, don't you? He already knows what you're thinking. He already knows what you're feeling. You might as well tell him, right? And the reason why, friends, is there is power in speaking up. When you are going through a dark season and all you see are the clouds, Speak up and be real with God because you're letting that darkness out into the light, okay? You're letting God know, God, I can't handle this. This is too much. Lord, why are you allowing this to happen? This is too much for me. That is a God-honoring prayer, my friends. God doesn't hear you any more clearly if you use fancy words and pray in a proper way. Did you know that? He prefers that you're real and authentic with him. Now, if you're not convinced, we need only look at Jesus. When Jesus was, before he was going to get crucified and he was at the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he pray? He prayed, Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. If there's any other way but the cross, take it from me. That's pretty real and authentic. And that's our Savior that's modeling it. Also, in Luke chapter 22, verse 44, here's what we read about Jesus. And being in anguish... He prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. That's pretty intense, y'all. Now, we know today that that's a medical condition called hematidrosis. That happens when you're under extreme anguish and stress. You can sweat 
drops of blood. So our Savior was carrying a lot of weight, and he was without sin. So if you are carrying a lot of burden and you're overwhelmed and you're crying out to Jesus, my friend, you are not sinning. You are being real with God. Somebody, somebody needs to hear that today, okay? So be real with God. He can take it. The second thing we can learn from Job is to speak up and don't suffer silently because you're worth it. Now, we see when all of this goes down with Job, he actually has three pretty good friends. And his friends do some things that were good. They also do some things that were not so good, okay? Uh, some of the things they did that were not so good, we've kind of already covered. They, they started to get a little frustrated with Job after a while. After hearing him complain and vent after a while, they started to lose their cool. And they said some unloving things to Job, like, hey, it's because of your sin that this happened. Or, you know what, they had this works-based mentality. Like, Job, if you did this, then everything would be okay. And God is not a formula, so that doesn't work. At the end of Job, we learned that even God was upset with his friends because they misrepresented God. So look, if your first move is to get angry at your friend that's going through a mental health challenge, if you're like, why can't you shake this off? Stop being so worried. What, you know, you keep doing the same thing over and over. You need to do A, B, and C. If you start to give them a prescription, a formula, and you're not there just listening to them, my friends, you're kind of acting like Job's friends. You're, you're kind of kicking them when they're down. That's no way to love on somebody that's going through darkness. So you say, Millen, what should I do to help my friend then? Like I said, there were some good things that Job's friends did, and we can learn from them. So in chapter 2, verse 11 through 13, here's what we read. When Job's three friends, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Nahamite, heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and they met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud. They tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. And then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. There's a lot of good stuff here, okay? They, they did a lot of good here. There's three things really we can learn from that scripture. Number one, for your hurting friend, be present. Your presence is a gift. It really is to somebody that's going through it. Now, if you're anything like me, I'll be the first to admit, uh, maybe I'll text my friend, you know? Maybe I'll say, hey, I'm praying for you. Let me know if you need something. Or maybe I'll write them on Facebook or something like that. And that's it. It's like a one and a done. And then life gets busy and I move on, okay? And I'm telling you, like, that's a good thing to send an encouraging message. I'm not saying that's bad. But if your friend is going through the darkness, that just won't be enough. I'm telling you. Your friend needs your presence. They need you to be there for them. And sometimes that takes intentionality, okay, to actually show up. And, and sometimes it takes sacrifice. So that's, that's one of the first things that we can learn is to be persistent and to be present. The second thing we learn is they empathized with Job. 
Maybe they weren't depressed. You know, maybe they didn't lose all the things that Job did, but they can empathize with what their friend was going through. And so they didn't say a word, it says, for those seven days, right? So if your friend's going through darkness, you do not have to have the words, my friends. You don't have to have the right things to say. I know you want to. I know I want to. It's in my nature. I want to say something to make them feel better. Sometimes you don't have to say anything. Sometimes you could just... Give them a hug, cry with them, listen to them. That could be medicine enough for them in that moment. Don't feel like you have to have all the right answers, okay? The last thing is invest time with them. Job's friends didn't just stop by for an hour. They spent seven days and seven nights with him. Now, I know you're like, Millen, I can't do that in 2022, and I get it. It's really hard to carve out time like that. But you know what you can do? you could sacrifice some of your own time and invest that time with your hurting friend. That's possible, right? You can say, you know what? I really wanted to just chill for a few hours, but maybe you say, you know what? I'm gonna sacrifice and take my friend out to Starbucks or take them out to coffee or do something with them. You know, we have to carry each other's burdens in the body of Christ. That's, that's what we're meant to do. We're a family, right? When family hurts, we have to sacrifice sometimes. So we have to invest time in people that are hurting. Now, if you're here today listening and you can resonate with some of this or maybe you're online and maybe you're just waking up, maybe you're like, Millen's not giving candy anymore, I'm going to sleep. This is what I want you to take away from today. This is something that's critically important that you could even write down, Okay. We are not meant to do this alone. Do not suffer silently. If you su suffer silently, it is a recipe for failure. I'm telling you, it's a recipe for failure. Don't do it. Speak up. Share it. Share what's going on with you with somebody. You are worth it. If you have a, a trusted friend, maybe some people trusted in your small group, maybe a pastor here on staff, or maybe a, a counselor. I can't say enough good things about counselors. They've made such a, a difference in my life. You need to speak up. You need to get it out of the darkness and into the light. There is healing when you do that. And friends, I know that when you're going through something really dark and you're having those terrible thoughts in your head and that, uh, that hopelessness, it's embarrassing sometimes to admit that to somebody. There is shame involved. You're like, no one's going to understand this, uh, or they're going to think I'm weak. I mean, there's a bunch of things that you could tell yourself to keep it in the darkness. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants you to keep it in the darkness. So if you hear nothing else today, speak up, share this with somebody that, that you love. You know, my friend Lynn Andravik said this, and, and it, it really resonated with me. She said, don't wait too long with this. Treat it with urgency. I couldn't agree more. We got to treat this with urgency. If you don't feel right, if you're feeling like something's wrong, don't sweep it under the rug, my friends. Don't try to power through and say, you know what? I'll get through this just fine. Because when you sweep enough stuff under the rug, what happens? That rug gets really messy, right? And after a while, that dirt's gonna seep out of the rug and it's gonna get on everyone else. So we need to treat this stuff with urgency because we don't want to go deeper and deeper in the hole. Y'all feel me? We gotta speak up. 
is hard. And, and I think for some, your starting point is the first thing we talked about. Lord, I'm going to speak up and be real with you. I don't know how I'm going to make it. Holy Spirit, would you give me the strength I need to get help? That might be your first step. And I believe the Lord is faithful and he will honor that prayer. Okay? The last thing that we can learn from the book of Job is we need to speak up because our life has purpose. You're worth it. You know, it's important for followers of Jesus to remember this. We have a higher calling and a higher purpose given what Jesus did for us on the cross. It's a beautiful thing. We have something to live for. Did you know that if you truly believe with all your heart that you have something to live for, that is like a punch in the face to depression. It is like a KO knockout to, to hopelessness because you can wake up in the morning knowing you have something to live for. Uh, and I really like how Pastor Rick Warren puts it in his wildly famous book, uh, The Purpose Driven Life, one of my favorite books. Here's what he says our purpose is. He says, number one, it is to live a life of worshiping God. Number two, we love others, okay? Number three, we become more like Jesus through discipleship and doing life with other people. Again, we're not meant to do it alone. Number four, we serve other people. And then five, we share the love of Jesus with others that don't know him. Rinse and repeat. Now, I don't know about you, but that is a good reason to get up in the morning, my friends, when you do that. Because when you're loving God, making disciples and impacting the world, guess what? You're not just living for yourself. It's not just me, myself, and I. It's not just eat, drink, be merry, and die. That's, that's a sad purpose of life, right? A good, a good and compelling purpose is to love God, to make a difference in other people's lives, to, it, to spread the kingdom of God to as many people as you can before you go. I think that is a purpose that I could jump on board with, right? And here's the thing. What the enemy wants us to believe is, if we're depressed, if we're going through something hard, even if it's physical, that we can't play in the game, that we have no purpose. Our purpose is now stripped away from us because we're, we're too consumed in the darkness. That is a lie, my friends. You can live a life of purpose with a limp. You can live a life of purpose even if you're going through darkness. And, and the irony is, when you live that life of purpose, the darkness somehow starts to get better, okay? So we need to remember our purpose and where our hope is. And Job starts to lose sight of his purpose. He starts to lose sight of that connection with God. He gets consumed in his circumstances. And I'm not judging him because that's a lot of circumstances. What God does at the end for Job, though, if you read the end of the book, he reminds Job of who he is. Sometimes we, we need a reminder of who God is. Because did you know, friends, that he already knows what's going on with you? He knows every single crazy thought you're having. He knows every single feeling you have. He knows all the hopeless and dark nights you've gone through. He knows every single detail. And that's good news. Because we serve an almighty God that knows and loves us and has plans to prosper us and not harm us. Okay, let that sink in. Many times when we're going through the darkness, our, de our, our, our initial prayer 
is, Lord, please deliver me from this. You need to take it away from me, God. I need it gone, like today. And I'm okay with you praying that because we do serve a God that can do that. But I'm gonna challenge you to maybe add something to your prayer, uh, prayer repertoire. What if you also prayed, Lord, would you hold my hand through this valley? I am scared. Would you please help me walk through this with you? Teach me what it is you want me to learn from this, Lord. Because I could tell you, friends, I've had some dark nights, I've had some dark times, and I don't regret a single one of them because I felt the Lord's presence, and it was in those times that I was refined. It's almost like I had a PhD in the desert, you know? He refined me, he purified me, he made me look more like him. He could do that if you allow him to do that, friends. So if you're going through the darkness, invite the Holy Spirit to join you in that season. Don't do it alone. Speak up. Your life has purpose. Now, right now, I want to invite a very special guest to come on stage. Would you all give a warm round of applause to Amber Brown? Amber Brown is the bomb.com, I'm telling you. What's up, Amber? It's good to see you. So Amber and I, um, we've actually been talking a lot more lately these days, and I've got to learn more of her story. And she has a really cool story. Um, my friend Amber is an overcomer. I want you to know that right now. She is an overcomer, and I can't wait for her to share her story with you. So, so Amber, I'm going to start out with a, a pretty easy question, just a softball, okay? Uh, for those that may not know you, can you introduce yourself and what you do for the church? Sure. Um, I'm Amber Brown. I am a pastor on staff here at the Vineyard. I've been attending the Vineyard now for about nine years, and I've been on staff for about two and a half. Um, I have been married to my wonderful husband, Adam, for about 18 years. And we have two kids, Aiden, who is nine, and Addison, who is seven. It's a beautiful family. I've known Amber for a very long time, too. She is so cool. Um, now, Amber, I know that you've gone through some hard times. Uh, we've talked about it. Would you be willing to share with us when your journey with depression started and what some of those underlying circumstances look like? So uh, when I was 13, which is a pivotal time in any child's life, my parents separated and got divorced. Uh, during this time, it was really hard for me and my brother, and they both thought that it would be a good idea for us to get counseling. During the conversations with the counselor, the counselor thought it would be a good idea for me to get on medication. So I did, and it did help. Um, but after some time, I started taking, stopped taking it, and nobody really said anything, so I thought I was better and I stayed off of it for a really long time. Mm. And speaking of counseling, you know, as, as I was talking about, there, that's a really hard first step for many people to say, you know what, I need to get help. Like, like we talked about, only two out of 10 people do actually get the counseling. How important was counseling in your journey, Amber? Counseling's been really important uh, for me. I have sought counseling off and on for all my life. Since then, um, it's helped me to find the tools to walk through some hard things, tools such as knowing my limitations better, recognizing my triggers, learning to take a break or space when needed, 
getting enough sleep and knowing that diet and exercise affect mental health. And it's always helpful for me to just have an objective ear. Absolutely. Yeah, I know um, before I went to counseling, I felt like there's nothing I could do to fight those voices in my head or those feelings. And counselors really do a good job of giving you weapons to fight back. So I completely agree with you. Um, we know there are different levels of depression, um, and some require more than counseling. Uh, and so how important was medicine in your journey, and did you experience shame for even getting on medicine? Sure. Um, so medicine's been very important in my journey. As I said, when I was a young girl, I was on it for a bit. And then again, as a young adult, I was often on depression medications. Um, but as soon as I would feel better, I'd just stop taking them again. I never really addressed the underlying issues. So I continued that cycle for a while. But when I had my son, uh, after about four months of fighting through the baby blues or baby separation anxiety, I finally sought professional help and I got back on medication and I've stayed on it for the most part since then with my dosage fluctuating. However, there was a time that I talked to a friend of mine about being on medication and she convinced me that uh, if I just had more faith and if I just um, trusted God more, I prayed more that I wouldn't need the medication, I shouldn't need the medication. So I believed her, um, I got off the medication for a while and during that time I prayed and I prayed and I prayed but I also was sinking and sinking and sinking into a darker time. It was really hard for me, but I felt like during that time I was failing. I was failing in my faith. I was failing God. I was failing my family, and God just wasn't listening to me. Uh, it was a hard time, but I just kept praying, uh, and I, there was a day that I really felt God strongly telling me, like, I've given you the tools that you needed in the way of the medication right now. So I got back on them, and I was thankful that it only took me a month and a half to hear from God in that, because it was hard and my mind was getting really dark. Um, I strongly feel like without that medication and without trusting in God in that moment that I would not be here right now. Mm -hmm. Whether that means physically or even spiritually, my life would have taken a different turn. Mm -hmm. Fast forward some years and COVID hit, which was hard for all of us, um, but I was really thankful that I was on that medication at the time. Um, things got really difficult and I couldn't handle it even on the dosage that I was on. So I called my doctor and through my prayers to God and the doctor's consultation, I did decide to increase my medication. It got through me, got me through a time that was really difficult and I was just blessed to have that tool in my tool belt. That's awesome, Amber. Thanks for sharing that. And you know, uh, where would you say you are today in your journey and what advice would you share with people here today or listening online that are maybe choosing to struggle in silence? So this is still an ongoing journey in my life. Please don't hear anything I'm saying today like I'm healed and all better. But right now uh, in my journey, I have increased my prayer game and I have decreased my medication. I seek after... <laughs> um, I seek after God's heart when it comes to my mental health care. And um, today I'm only taking 25% of my highest dosage, which I attribute all to God. He is walking with me through some healing and by, walking, uh, by my walk growing stronger with him and being open to what he has for me in the way of my care and um, my dosage, I, I'm sorry, I'm 
so nervous up here. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Um, I was almost done. This is the last question. I was so close. Um, but I no longer have shame around needing this right now. But if a time calls for an increase in dosage, I will no longer have shame uh, about that. I would not have shame if I was an asthmatic and I needed an inhaler, and I wouldn't have shame if I was a diabetic and needed metformin or insulin. And so I no longer have shame around needing medication for my mental health or the chemical imbalance that I have. And my hope is that anyone who's listening to me right now would see that it is not shameful to care for your mental health in a medical way if needed. My advice would be don't struggle alone, like Millen said. We're not meant to carry our burdens alone. So let someone help carry yours. Talk to a friend, a counselor, a pastor, a medical professional. Medications are not always the answer, but they're not not the answer in a time of need. Seek God's guidance, and most of all, do not be ashamed to get help if needed to better yourself and your family. Even as I was preparing for this today and I was telling some of the closest people in my life that I would be uh, speaking about this, I became aware that I have not been as open with my struggles as I should have been uh, with the people closest to me. So when I say that, I am speaking to myself. When you do not have to suffer in silence, let people know so that they can help you where you need it. Nobody judges you when you go to the gym to get healthier, so nobody should be judging you for wanting to get your mind healthier. Partner with God and do what is right for you to get healthier in your mind, body, and spirit. And as a shameless plug, Celebrate Recovery is exactly for things like this. It is one of the reasons that I attend myself. Um, Celebrate Recovery is for all of life's hurts, hangups, and habits, including depression and anxiety. And it just so happens that tomorrow night we're having a dinner and testimony night at 6.30 p.m. So um, if this is anything that you're struggling with or you're just, I mean, you're struggling with anything else, I would encourage everyone in this room and online to just check us out. Or if you know a friend, tell them. Um, but we're open to anyone coming. It'll be, it's going to be a great night, too. Amber Brown, thank you so much for sharing. Let's give her a big round of applause. Thank you. Appreciate you. All right, friends, let's stand, will we? I know this was, um, this was a heavy talk today, but it was a much-needed conversation. Um, depression is real. It affects many people, many people in our own lives, maybe even some of us. And uh, we've learned some things today. We've learned that we need to speak up, be real with God, speak up, and don't suffer in silence, and remember that we have purpose in our lives. I want to invite the prayer teams uh, to come forward today, please. And um, listen, friends, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how dark it is for you right now. Uh, for some of you, I got the image where it's almost like you're looking at the world like this. You know, you have this big hand in your face and you only have these little holes to see out of. I feel like for some of you, you have a big cloud that's clouding everything, and that's all you can see. You can barely see anything else. The only comfort I want to give you, friends, is I believe God sees exactly what you're going through. And you may not have hope today that it's going to get better, but I have hope for you. I have profound hope for you that things can change and that things can get better. I know this because we serve an amazing God. 
If I didn't have hope in Jesus, it would be game over. But I have all the hope in Jesus. He's shown up time and time again. And sometimes this stuff takes time. It's not instant. It's left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. You wake up, you do it, you go through the steps every day, every second, if need be. But I believe there is a light at the end of the tunnel for people today. So what I want us to do is just bow our heads, close our eyes, uh, and we're going to pray. Holy Spirit, would you come right now in a powerful way? You know, I, I, this is like a really hard word to share, but it came up a few times um, as I was preparing for this talk and even as we were creating this series, I felt like there will be people listening that have been considering taking their own life. That there, there have been people that have been toying with that idea. And maybe, maybe that's you today, listening online, or maybe that's someone in the room. I believe with all of my heart that God is speaking to you right now. If you're feeling something like a, you know, just something going on in your body, I believe that's the Holy Spirit reaching out and touching you saying, hold on, hold on, hold my hand through this. We're gonna get through this together. Holy Spirit, would you increase in people that are feeling hopeless? Would you increase in people that feel there's no way out? God, we, we pray against the plans of the enemy in Jesus' name. And we pray that you would increase, Lord. And even right now, God, I pray just a layer of darkness would fall off of them in Jesus' name, that they would walk with their head lifted higher right now, Lord, that they will be an overcomer because you are an overcomer, Jesus. We could do all things through you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we need you. We know there's a lot of darkness right now, but we know that you've overcome it. And so be with those that are too weak to carry on that don't have enough strength. Fill us up, Lord. We wanna be a people that do this together as a family. Help us love on our loved ones that are struggling with this better. For some of us, we might need to repent in how we've been handling it with other people. And Lord, we pray you'd shift our hearts, shift our priorities to invest time and be with those that are hurting, God. We know there's hope in you, Jesus. I, I, there's an abundance of hope. And we give you all the praise today, God. Fill us up, Jesus. Amen. Hey, listen, before you leave today, friends, if you came in here with your hope tank low, we want you to get prayer, okay? God bless you all.